Good morning and welcome again. We're grateful for your presence today. We're going to be looking in just a moment at Proverbs chapter 29 in verse 18, the passage that was read a moment ago. We're very grateful for your presence. As always, we are so thankful to have visitors with us. We encourage you to come back and join us at any opportunity that you have. We hope that you're made to feel welcome here. It might be that you're looking for a church home, and as always, we invite you to consider this congregation. We'd love to have you come and join hands with us in our work together. I want to talk today about a subject that I believe is absolutely imperative. The title of the lesson today emphasizes a very important reality, and that is the time is now for us to bring the Bible back in America. In the last 50 years or so, there has been tremendous efforts afoot to purge God and his word from our society. Sadly, the efforts of many people to purge God's word have been successful. And really and truly, when you look at our nation and you begin to candidly examine where we are as a nation, it is increasingly difficult to observe where we stand today. America as we know it has changed dramatically. And so I want us to think for a minute about what Solomon said centuries ago, because in my mind, he underscores a problem that we're facing today. In chapter 29, verse 18 of the book of Proverbs, the text reads, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Wherever God's word goes, ultimately, it leads to peace and hap happiness and tranquility. The flip side, though, when God's word is not invoked, there is mayhem and a loss of restraint. It would be interesting to have the opportunity to stand before those in Washington today in light of all the problems that we have, to simply ask the question, how are things working out for you? The bottom line is things are not working out and we are paying a heavy, heavy price for removing the scriptures from our society. I wanna to begin today by first of all talking about the aim of Revelation. You need to understand that there is a purpose behind revelation. God intends to bless and to benefit those of us who comprise the human family through his word. I think first of all about the fact that the Bible as we know it is the good word. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter six 
talks about those who have tasted the good word of God. God's word is good. Now, people may not necessarily appreciate what it has to say, but it is a good book. God's word is a good word. When I look at the scriptures, I see that the Bible is necessary, first of all, It's absolutely mandatory for proper development in life. Paul would say in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. The design of scripture is to make us better people. And you can't properly develop without God's holy word. A lot of folks today spend a lot of money trying to excel academically, athletically. And yet there are so many people in our world today that have not developed spiritually. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 2, that as a newborn baby, we are to desire the sincere milk of the word, and the reason is that we might grow thereby. Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we need the word of God to properly develop in this life. And then we need God's word so that we might have proper direction in life. Look at how many people in our world, in our country, are aimlessly going through life. They have no purpose, they have no direction, there is no divine compass to lead them where they need to go. Jeremiah said in chapter 10, verse 23, it's not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 at verse 105, that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Without God's word, we are groping in spiritual darkness. And so we need the good word. And then there's a second thing I would call your attention to, and that is the good way. Jeremiah in chapter 10 or rather in Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah said, Stand ye in the way and see, and ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way. I want to ask you a question. Do you know what the good way is in life? There are a lot of folks, they don't know what the good way is. Without the good word or the good book, you will never know the good way. There are a lot of people in our world today They do not enjoy the blessings that come from taking this word that we call the Bible and implementing it into their lives. Now, Jeremiah pleaded with the people of God to ask for the old paths. He said, wherein is the good way? Think about how God's word is intended to benefit, to bless to direct, to govern, to guide us. When I think about 
the good way. First of all, I'm reminded of the fact that people have to be shown that there is a good way. How do we do that? Through the gospel, through preaching and teaching, God's holy and divine word. In Acts chapter 8, we read an account of a eunuch that had been to Jerusalem to worship. He's going back home. He's reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. When Philip encountered him, he asked the question, do you understand what you're reading? The response was, how can I unless someone guide me? People today, they have to be guided. They have to be shown that there is a good way. And then secondly, people have to be students of the good way. Isaiah said in chapter 34, verse 16 of his book, Seek ye out the book of the Lord, and listen to him. He said, and read. You can't know the good way without the good book. You've got to be shown there's a good way, and then you've got to become a student of the good way. And then there's a third thing. You've got to be submissive to the good way. In order for God's word to be what it ought to be in your life, you've got to be willing to submit. To say, you know what, God? You know what's best. You know what I need. You know what I don't need. You know the direction I need to take in this life. And so I'm willing to follow that lead. Jeremiah said, stand ye in the way and see. And as for the old paths wherein is the good way, and he said, walk therein. But listen to their response. They said, we will not walk therein. There are always casualties when people ignore the word of God. And so I think first and foremost about the aim of revelation. But then there is a second thing I want you to see. And that is the absence of revelation. Listen again to what Solomon said. In verse 19, or rather verse 18 of chapter 29, he said, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. In other words, when people choose to abdicate God's word, when they say, you know what, we don't need that anymore, then ultimately, lots and lots of problems occur. The bottom line is, there are no boundaries. Think about where we are as a country today. And think about how many people are living lives that are the exact opposite of restraint. They just live as they please. In Judges chapter 21, verse 25, the writer said, in those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's anarchy. You just do what you want to do. You live as you choose to live. Now, when I think about how our country has deteriorated, I'm reminded, first of all, of the moral vacuum that has been created in our country. We're living in a day and time when people in America are absolutely wicked to the core. They're immoral. In Hosea chapter 4, Hosea indicted the children of Israel because he said they, he said, in that day there was no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. And he said, by 
swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery. He said they break all restraint. Now, what did, what did Solomon say? Solomon said, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. It's exactly what Hosea said. They break all restraint with, blood, with bloodshed after bloodshed. America today is a very difficult place to make your home. I read this past week that in our country, there are today more jails than colleges. Now you think about that. There are more jails, there are more jailhouses than schoolhouses. That ought to get our attention. Did you know that the prison population grew by 700% from 1970 to 2005? That tells me people are not living lives of restraint. But again, they're just living as they please. And by the way, did you know that we have the highest rate of incarceration in the world today? America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, this great civilized nation, we live barbarically in our country. The rate of incarceration is five to 10 times higher in our country than in Western Europe and the world's other democracies. That was reported in the Washington Post. Crime in America. Did you know that in the 10 top most dangerous cities with populations exceeding 200,000. In our nation, Detroit, Michigan ranks number one. Number three, closer to home, Memphis, Tennessee. Really not a surprise to me. When I look at the news every night, what do I, what do I hear about? Bloodshed. Crime, rape, murder, drug abuse, everything. And then the eighth most dangerous city, Birmingham, Alabama. Why do I mention Birmingham? Because when I think about Birmingham and Memphis, I think about how in the South we talk about we are the Bible Belt. If we are the Bible Belt, and we've got two cities that are ranked in the top 10. What does that say? It says in the South, we don't care about God's word. We just want to do what we please. The Washington Post reported this past week, August 26th. Listen to what this report says. August 26th is the 200 and 38th day of the year. With the fatal shootings in Virginia today in which a gunman shot himself after killing two reporters and wounding one more person, plus the shooting of four during a Minneapolis home invasion, the number of mass shooting incidents has risen to 247 for the year. 
And by the way, the, problem's not, the problem is not gun control. The gun is not the perpetrator. It's the people that have the guns. It's the people that use the guns in the wrong way. I read this past week a report that said there's a drug arrest every 19 seconds in the U.S. Of the more than 1.6 million drug arrests in 2009, 82% were for possession alone. Did you know that our government estimates that more than 118 million Americans above the age of 12 admit to using illegal drugs? We're a country out of control. Doesn't matter if you're young or old, educated, uneducated, black or white, we're out of control. And then listen to this. Did you know that it was said in the past four years more than 35,000 people have been killed in violence related to Mexico's war against the cartels that control the illegal drug market? 35,000 people. For what? For drugs? You tell me we don't have a problem living without the Bible. We do. The Department of Justice says that the illegal drug market in the U.S. is dominated by 900,000 criminally active gang members affiliated with 20,000 street gangs in more than 2,500 cities. Gangs everywhere. People living without restraint. We're paying for it. Another interesting statistic is that in 2014 among facilities operated by the Federal Bureau of Prisons, the average cost of incarceration by federal, for federal inmates $30,600. That's your money. It's my money. We're paying for these people. So I ask you the question, how, how are things working out without the Bible? They're not working out. It doesn't take an Einstein to realize we are upside down in our country. When you think about the killings, the stealing, the lying, people that are living sexually promiscuous lives, and the list goes on and on, we're in trouble. And we ought to have the humility to admit we have a problem in this country rather than sweeping it under the rug. So we're in trouble morally in this nation, well documented. And then I think about the number of illegitimate births that occur all across this country. You know, Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 5 that the younger women ought to marry and then bear children. Not so in our country today. We've got folks that are living together, they are cohabitating without the benefits of marriage. The Bible says it's wrong. It's always been wrong. It'll always be wrong. 
Uh, the Hebrew writer said that the marriage bed is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. People need to know that. You see, you can live unrestrained sexually, but you pay for it. And then I think about another problem we have in our country. We have problems racially and socially. I wish I could stand before you and tell you that we don't have racial and social problems in our country, but we do. And sadly, we've got folks on both sides of the fence that hate one another. And yet when I read the book of Genesis, I find that God made man in his own image. In the likeness of God made he man, both male and female. Doesn't matter what color your skin is, on the inside you're the same. As a matter of fact, Paul said in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, that God has made of one blood, listen to him, one blood, all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth. We need to learn to get along in this world. If you're white, if you're black, if you're Asian, whatever your nationality, whatever your ethnic background, we've got to learn to get along. And yet we don't. Do you know who's behind the problem of race in our, in our world, in our country? I can tell you who's behind it. I can tell you the perpetrator. I can tell you the cause of all the racial mayhem in our country. It's the devil. It's the devil. You see, the devil wants us to turn on one another. And let me tell you what, he's done his job. It hurts me to hear people say that they hurt, that they hate somebody because they are a certain race. A good friend of mine, John Shannon, who preaches for James Road. John is a black evangelist. Been a friend of mine for a long time. Great a great friend of Brother Billy. And John said not long ago in a sermon at James Road, he told his people, he said, look, you need to forget about the flag. He said, the problem is the heart. He's right. It's the heart. The problem in our world today is people's hearts have been corrupted. The solution is the gospel. We've got to get back to the Bible. You can create any kind of social program you want, and you can, try to, you can try to cloak it any way you want to do it, but the only way that's going to bring about peace, unity, and harmony in our world, in our nation, when it comes to race or whatever, is the gospel. You think about what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul said that God has reconciled both Jew and Gentile in one body unto God through the cross. Did the Jews like the Gentiles? Absolutely not. They thought they were dogs. They looked down upon them. In John chapter 4, we read about Jesus spending time with a Samaritan woman. Samaritans were despised. They were looked down upon. They were deemed as half-breeds. John said in chapter 4, verse 9, that the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, and yet Jesus took the time 
to talk to this lady made a tremendous impression on her. She went back to her own people and she said, come see a man that's told me everything I've ever done. So what am I saying? I'm saying that the church, God designed the church to bring together all people, black, white, Asian, Japanese, Chinese, whatever. The church. Remember what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 2? That all nations would flow unto this exalted mountain described by Isaiah. It's the church. We can have peace and harmony, but the only way we can do it is go back to the principles of Scripture. I don't see any other way. So I think about some of the problems that we're facing in our country. We need to be honest and candid. We need to be willing to admit that business as usual, that is, the way we've done business in our country the past 50 years has not worked. Not going to work. Why? Because we don't have the gospel. We need the gospel. And then I think about the problems that we're having religiously. When I was just a young fellow growing up, you didn't hear anything about Islam and other religions. Oh, you may have heard something about some Eastern religion that a quote-unquote rock star or celebrity was dabbling in. People didn't believe in that foolishness. And yet we've got folks today that have bought into any and everything. The Bible says there's one God and Father who is above all, through all, and in you all. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In our country today, we pay homage and respect to any and everything but the God of heaven. And yet the Bible tells me that the God of heaven is the only true God. When the Apostle Paul went to the city of Athens, the Bible says his spirit was stirred within him because the whole city was given over to idolatry. We've got a problem with idolatry in our country. Pagan idols, yes. Materialism, yes. Money, yes. Absorbed with self, yes. The answer is what? The gospel. So in the absence of revelation, there is delinquency. Problems abound. What are the advantages of revelation? Are there some advantages to taking God's word and implementing it into our country? I want to say that there are great advantages. Lots of benefits and blessings associated with taking the word of God and making it a part of our lives. Let me just begin by saying this. The Bible, as we know it, is intended to be a pattern for our lives. I want you to think about this. Did you know that the Bible brings order out of chaos? When people live in sin, when they live as they please, as Solomon said, when they live lives without restraint, it's chaos, it's mayhem. 
Look at people in our world today and look at the problems that we're experiencing. Is there a paradigm? Is there a pattern that will somehow bring us together and make us what we ought to be? Yes. Yes. But the only thing that will do that is Scripture. The home today is upside down. You've got divorce, sexual infidelity. You've got children that are not being governed in the home. You've got young folks running the streets without restraint. Is there a pattern to somehow get the family back to where it ought to be? The answer is yes. What's the answer? God's word. You just think about it. God's word is designed to bring order out of chaos. When the apostle Paul went to the city of Corinth, he talked about how they were living unrighteously. He said that there were people living in fornication and adultery and idolatry and homosexuality. Some were thieves, some were covetous, some were drunkards, some were revilers, some were extortioners. But he said, you were washed. When people are living in sin, they're living lives of chaos. It's evident. Just watch the news. It's chaos out there. And yet, the Bible is intended to bring harmony to our lives, is it not? It's a pattern. But look, you'll never have the life you ought to have if you don't take this book and live by it. This book ought to be a pattern for the way you live. There's a second thing, and that is the scriptures are not only intended to be a pattern for life, but it's my conviction they bring prosperity to life. In Joshua chapter 1, when God summoned Joshua to take the place of Moses, God said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He said, you shall meditate in it day and night to do according to all that is written in it. And then he said, you will make your way prosperous. And he said, then you will have good success. Do you want to have prosperity in life? Do you want to be a success in life? Then follow the scriptures. God said to Joshua, if you'll observe to do according to all that's written in this book, then he said, and only then, will you have prosperity? Then and only then will you have good success. And then finally, what about peace? I wonder how many folks went to bed last night without peace in their family, without peace in their own personal life. I wonder how many people went to bed last night in a drunken stupor Wonder how many folks are abusing prescription drugs? Wonder how many folks are smoking pot, using meth, snorting cocaine, taking heroin? Wonder how many folks in our world are trying to buy happiness? You'll never have it in those things. You can use those things until Jesus comes, but you'll never, ever have peace in your life. I promise you.
But I hear the psalmist saying, great peace have those who love your law. We need the Bible back in America. Somebody has said, as the home goes, so goes the nation. No way you could make a better statement than that. Our country is in trouble because our homes are in trouble. And until we as people in this country decide that, you know what, God's way is the best way, God's way is the way we need to be following. We're going to be a mess, an absolute total mess in this country. So I think we need to go back to the Bible. America is not a theocracy as Israel of old was. But we've been blessed beyond measure. And we ought to have enough sense to understand that without the word of God, we have been a mess. We need it. I want to encourage you to come back tonight because tonight, the Lord willing, we're going to be talking about the book of Hosea in chapter 8. Hosea in the long ago talked about a famine in the land and he said that famine had to do with hearing the word of God. So I would invite you to come back tonight it might be that you're here today and you're not a Christian. And your life is chaos and turmoil. I want you to know that the gospel can bring order to your life. Well, what would you need to do? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm he, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. If you die in your sins, Jesus said, where I am there, you can't come. And then you need to repent of your sins according to Peter in Acts 2.38. Confess the name of Christ before others, be immersed in water, so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22.16. If you do that, God promises to add you to the church. You need to be in the church because the Bible tells us God is the Savior of the body, Ephesians 5.23. If you're here today and maybe you're not faithful, your life's not what it ought to be, and you're living a chaotic life, I want to encourage you to come back to the Lord. Let us pray with you and for you. And God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.